Hey everybody, this is Brent Ingersoll and you are listening to the Speaking Of podcast. Today, it's a bit different. I was on a podcast by a friend of mine named Mike McNeil. He's just getting it going. It's called the Open Mic Podcast where he talks about all things ministry and life and following Jesus. And I was privileged enough to be the first guest on it. And so here is my conversation with Mike McNeil. Check it out. Here we are. Well, this is uh, this is the our first first podcast, Dude. and so I have Brennan Ingersoll with me, who is the lead pastor at King's Church, and uh, just looking forward to to having a conversation, talking about life, talking about yeah. ministry, and. Uh, and maybe what the Lord is is doing in these times that we live in. Yeah, I, dude, I'm honored to be the first guest on Open Mic. Well, you know, That's hey, here, yeah, I, amazing. You know, you were, uh, we're we're filming at Kingswood, and you were and, convenient. Uh, you, were, you were here. <laughs> you were here doing a session with the students, yeah. which was really good. I really appreciate it. Oh, and man. so it just seemed like a natural thing to to kind of come oh. in and and uh, get going. So why don't you? Uh, why don't you just give us a little bit of uh, a background for those who sure. might not uh, might not uh, kind of know who you are, Brent? Just like a little bit of a spiritual bio, if you will. Yeah, I can do that. First, though, like this is awesome that you're doing a podcast. I think, you know, I, I don't think everyone should do a podcast, but I think it's a good thing that you're doing one, man. So I will be listening. <laughs> well, we'll, and... we'll, we'll 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 get a vote on whether that's yeah, a good idea I, real soon. I'm sure. Well, but... look, I'll post this on my platform, and all the dozens of us are going to really appreciate. <laughs> you all, yeah, our dozens of friends. <laughs> your yeah. your your viewership is going to go up by at least fifty people. So oh, I appreciate so, that. Awesome, right? No, my story. I mean, it's cool. I'm back on campus here at Kingswood, so. You know, it's bringing back a lot of memories of even the last 20 years or so. You know, I, I came uh, to Kingswood in 2001, no, 2002. Yeah, and it was kind of, I'd done a year at St. Thomas University, liberal arts, you know, first taste as a Christian kid of kind of being out off on your own. Right. First taste of, you know, uh, different philosophy and theology, you know, St. Thomas is liberal arts with you know, like, I don't know, Catholicism somewhere, steep somewhere in, in the mix. <laughs> it was, you know, it just like had my head spinning. And anyway, you know, as a lot of kids do really kind of getting your feet under you and getting knocked off balance with some things and, you know, not knowing up from down and getting like terrible GPA your first, first semester, almost getting kicked out with that. And then, you know, being around the wrong crowd and that kind of thing. I just felt, I knew, I mean, I was definitely a Christian at the time, but knew I was heading down a destructive path. And basically, you know, I'll call it the only way I knew how to repent at that time in my life was to just do the exact opposite of what you're currently doing. So I (laughs) basically chose to go to Kingswood because like I knew this was bad for me and like the spirit, I remember actually being at a party, I don't know, it was probably the winter of 2002 two and just the Lord, I, I can vividly remember being in a living room, people just doing their party thing and just God saying, this is not what I have for you and leaving that party and not, and basically deciding I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to Bethany at the time. Right. Uh, right. I'm going to go there for a semester anyway, just to like pursue it was, it was how I knew to pursue Jesus, you know? And like, for me, that really was repentance because I grew up in the church in a Wesleyan church. And like my idea of Kingswood at the time was those kids that come in the green robes at the church and sing those songs. And like, I want no part of that. Right. The, 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 the so, big choir. No, the big choir man, thing. I couldn't. I was like, this is, I can't do it. So for me, I like, it was like self-inflicted 
yeah. <laughs> punishment. The sackcloth. Yeah, the totally. It was like, and, yeah. whatever the, the, monk, the yeah. whip is or whatever. So right. I'm going to go do that and right. pay for my own sin. And then yeah. the good news was once I got here, like I really did have, uh, you know, like a personal revelation with the gospel. I met, I began to fall in love with Jesus on a personal level and not just, you know, my inherited faith and that kind of thing. Right. And I, I definitely, uh, you know, because I've been here forever, uh, <laughs> I definitely, uh, saw, uh, like a change in you yeah, over, over the first sure. uh, few years. And so, I mean, there were still uh, probably lots right. of, uh, lots in that's true. Even now there's God, Jesus continues to work the bugs out of, well, we're all a little rough around the edges system. at times, right? Yeah. This so, is still beta Brent, yeah. but, uh, was there know. a particular moment when you were, you know, cause college is so formative, uh, huge, especially like Bible college, Christian college for our faith. Was there, was there a moment you could tell us about or some experience that you had that uh, was really, really formational for you? I think it was more the melting pot of being in a community of peers who were all at, at some level here for the same reason. Like, you know, not all, some, some came and go and you've been here long enough to know that you probably can spot a lot of them, you know, coming in and they're gone pretty quick or they came to find a husband or whatever, right? you know, but uh you know, for, for me, there were, there were other people who had a similar journey to me that were discovering Jesus together and, you know, just were being in, in atmospheres of worship and experiencing the Holy Spirit at, you know, my, my pace with my peers. And that it was more the experience of, I can't remember like one, you know, specific time, you know, that first semester, but whatever happened to me getting the coals or the embers that were instilled in me through childhood with my parents. And then, you know, going yeah, to youth rallies. Quite a spiritual heritage. Oh, for sure. Yeah, so yeah. it's not like I was disadvantaged by any means. I mean, that my, my fire was set, was pretty ripe to be ignited. Right. And it was like the coals were there. I was a believer. I had experiences before ever arriving at, at Kingswood, you know, youth rallies and yourself even, you know, preaching many of those where I had moments of response. That, that was the era of the big youth rally. Too, totally. Like a youth rally every weekend. Somewhere. And it was awesome. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm it grateful really for was. those yeah. times, yeah. like many times being at the altar and present reality, you know, Andrew <laughs> right, Wakeston leading right. worship and you'd preached or Dan Lamus had preached or someone or Carl Ingersoll. I just remember many times like experiencing repentance. And so, um, but never outside of the context of the, sh the sheltering of my parents and my family. And then I get out to university and a little wind blows and, you know, some of that's that warmth, spiritual warmth's gone. And yet I come here and it's like, man, the, the, so the wind of the spirit blows on the embers of my heart and then some kindling coming around it with community and teaching and that kind of thing. And that, it just, it, it ignited me. And then out of that, I was like, you know, I don't totally know what I'm going to do with my life, but I'm definitely coming here for another semester. And the second semester, um, you know, if you have musical talent, you get noticed pretty quick right. around here. And so like it opened some doors of opportunity to be on ministry team. And I just started to discover. Not pe just, people might not even remember that you were primarily for a long time. You were yeah, like a worship leader. Music you guy. You weren't for a sure. speaker. Or, yeah. Totally. Yeah. And so I, I got to, I got to experience leading worship and being part of that. And not just the fact that God had given me a certain level of capacity for it, but the, uh, the first taste of, man, I feel like this is what I was made for. Like right. not just necessarily music, but just like, ministry like that those moments right. and seeing people and those moments where like i'm gonna get 
they're going to, I would do this anyway, even if I didn't yeah, get paid, right? Totally. I had that conversation with my family <laughs> last night. My wife was, she's a nurse and she doesn't love her job. Like I love her job, love my job. Right. I'm like, yeah, you know, it's not all of us can pass the lottery test. And right. the lottery test is if you, if you win 500 million, are you going to go back to work after you take your vacation? Right. Like, right. For me, I am. I'm right. I'll pay back my salary and all that stuff. Cause I like what I do. So yeah, that was like the first time I got like a taste of man. It's just, I feel alive when I'm helping people encounter the presence of God. Right, right. And so, and that just started to open doors, uh, of opportunity. And I realized, yeah, I think, you know, I never had like a, you know, I've had that question. When were you called to ministry? I was like, I'm still waiting for that call. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't, the, I'm the same. I've never actually like had an official call. Yeah. I just kind of did it. Totally. There was just <laughs> doors that kept opening and I kept walking through them and it right. eventually led to to today, I guess. Just yeah. yes by yes, I got here. And so when you graduated from here, you you uh, you know you did an internship at some different churches and stuff. But you you ended up at King's Church. Yeah. And then uh, and then you were you were thrust into leadership uh, fairly fairly early. Yep. And kind of dramatically. How, what was that like? Yeah. So the my Kingswood experience basically ended on an internship was super, which was super formative for me. I went up to Presque Isle with, uh, with Rick Cavanaugh and it was right kind of, you know, I wouldn't say near the end of like, you know, a real interesting season there, but it was sort of near the end of like Rick's ministry there. And then he left and went to the States and stuff. And there was just some real, you know, spiritual renewal stuff happening there. And that's really where I got a taste of, of like, the, the Holy Spirit. That's where I would say it was during that time that I was actually like, I had the first, you know, and we probably don't need to crack open, you know, theology here, but I had, it was my first time I ever really got nailed with the, the real presence of God in a, right. in a way that manifested in my body. Like I got, I got hit, you know, and like that changed me, you know, yeah, I've there's, had, there's something about experiencing the yeah, presence of God, yeah. like in a real tangible way. Yeah. Like, not just, I mean, it, an it atmosphere. becomes like a benchmark for totally. You, and it was like, I would definitely call it like that was the, that was a real moment of, you know, I mean, my, my grandfather would really prefer that I, I, you know, my late grandfather would want me to say that was my entire sanctification moment, right. second work of grace, or we, call it what you want. That was a time where I, I went from like, you know, being in rooms and atmospheres where the spirit was at work or even at work in me, where it's like, there was a power on me that just hit me and like it changed some defaults in me pretty hard that I could never unwire at that right. point. So I took that, that I came out of that. And I was going to, I was going to take a job, a part-time job at my home church in Fredericton. Uh, and then, um, my uncle, Don Ingersoll offered me, uh, an, an assistant pastor position that was full-time at, uh, at Kings Valley at the time. It's Kings church now, same church. So I've been there for 15 years. Um, and I just took that job it was full-time work. It wasn't anything like super spiritual. Again, it was more like, Oh, I'd take a full-time job or a part-time job. I'm going to go with the full-time job. Right, right. So I went there and I uh, really enjoyed it, but uh, it was just a bit of a time of exploration. And then Don left three years in and another pastor came in. Uh, and that's been a great kind of story of redemption and restoration. But my, my story of becoming a lead pastor was I, I did pick up after crisis. Uh, the senior pastor at the time uh, was let go. And so I, I was kind of thrust into surprise. And, and how old were you then? I was 29. Yeah. And, yeah. and the church was how many people? 
Uh, there's probably okay. 600, right. I would say. You know, so that's pretty big stuff when you're 20. Yeah, it was still like the yeah, yeah. second or third largest church in Atlanta, Canada. Right. For, <laughs> yeah, so so it was. It was big. But you know what? It's it's interesting. We probably can talk about COVID and today here in a few minutes. But like, I look back on that time and yes, it was. there was a lot of pressure and trauma and drama, but there was a lot of clarity of purpose. And there was the... Crisis is clarifying. Totally. Isn't it? Yeah. And it was like, I knew what to do. Like we're gonna pray, <laughs> right. and like we're gonna repent, and we're gonna yeah. we're gonna cry out to God to do something new in us, and He did, and so like it it wasn't super complicated. It was just dramatic and traumatic, but yeah. you know, God. And I don't. I, I think sometimes with with larger churches that have a lot of uh, resources, sometimes mm-hmm. people come in and they see the surface stuff, yeah, and they don't realize. Like I I think it was in like I preached at Kings in 2019, and what what people don't see is the the prayer time that happens with everybody downstairs before the service. Yeah, you mean back when and, we had real church. Yeah, back when we yeah. had live church, remember <laughs> totally, that? Yeah. Was, yeah. yeah, and but but yeah. there are, you know the the key isn't you know there's a lot of there's lights and there's equipment and yeah. you stay relevant culturally but but the key really is the holy spirit totally. prayer. Yeah, yeah, and and we we can take or leave the we can take and take or leave the the artistic expression or even like the excellence in communication and stuff like that's nice to have, but it's not, it's not the bedrock for us. It really is, you know, it, the power and the presence of the Holy spirit birth through prayer, birth through a posture of repentance and hunger and desire for him. And, and we've had, we've had a couple revolutions of that where it's like, you know, you, you cry out to God, you, we, we pray the, that that's really where my ministry started was, the district superintendent kind of read the address of, Hey, here's what's happened. Here's what's happening to your church. Um, you know, we're going to go into an interim time. Uh, although he's the youngest, he's been here the longest. So Brent's going to hold down the fort until we find, until we find your pastor. Right. (laughs) Right? And like literally he handed me the mic and this is, this is definitely a moment that I'll never forget. I just remember sort of sitting there shaking in my boots and I'd had a pretty rough couple weeks with all that. And there's a, there's like a tapestry on a back wall at our Valley location. And it's got second Chronicles seven. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I'll hear from heaven, you know, and they'll turn from their wicked ways. I'll hear from heaven. I'll hear the land. I'll forgive their sin. Basically promises blessing and healing. And I just remember reading it. It's like, I don't know what to do other than that sounds right. So let's, I'm going to be here Wednesday. I'm going to, going to be here praying and crying out and repenting. Because this isn't about one man's sin. This is this is something God's saying to all of us, and it's an opportunity. And so, the whole thing was birthed in that. And we've had a couple moments. You know, the challenge was um, it's interesting. The journey that we went on in the fall of 2020, Labor Day 2020, uh, one of the most important messages I ever preached. I think um, I'm actually working on a book surrounding that idea, but. Uh, I, I was going to ask you at some point, are you writing a book? Cause it seems like to me, it's like that time. Yes. Says, yeah. Yes. I have, I have, <laughs> I have an idea and, um, I'm, I'm now rejecting the trap that it is to say, I'm going to write a book. Cause you get a little dopamine hit like of like, right, I'm the right. type of person that would write a book, but right, not actually right. do it. But actually, uh, as of the time of this recording, uh, the week after March break, I'm going to actually clear my calendar and just do, try to get in rolling enough that it, Right, that it's right. going because I can have a million excuses not to start. Right, right, right. Uh, but anyway, uh, the 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 seven year cycle. We basically made a decision as a church the fall of 2020 to humble ourselves. You know, on seven years of what's been very successful. You know, our church tripled, quadrupled in size, and all that kind of stuff. Really amazing story, the work of God. 
but it's like, do we, do we stop here or do we just lay it all down again and take that same posture? But this time we're choosing to do it and we're crying out for God to take us higher. We don't, we, and, right. Cause at some point in there, I mean, I remember that whole season, uh, cause Kings is, it's probably as close as I get to having. Yeah, a, we'll take that, Mike. Uh, we will take to it. having a home church. Yeah, I, I just I, I disappear you. for long periods of time. But uh, I have said, oh, he goes to my church before, <laughs> right. and I'm unabashed about it. So, right, but I do. Uh, you know, there was there was a point where uh, it went from being a local church to being kind of more of a movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, at least a regional movement, and maybe even beyond yeah, that. So. We do f- very much feel a. a and I don't think this is the call for every church and it it true. It truly isn't like it's not birthed in some like, Hey, if you're, if you're a great church, you should be multi-site and you should be in different places. We just, we just have felt God highlight Atlantic Canada for us. You know, like that really is where our heartbeat is. It's not just St. John. Um, it's not just Halifax. We really have a passion, uh, to, to create kingdom communities in Atlantic Canada for the purpose of facilitating revival, like being a part of it. Like I really actually do think that God is going to do a great, like a great supernatural work, you know, like revival isn't just the church is doing really good at being efficient and effective. Like it's got, it's, right. the, it's the hand of God and it's not something we can ever fabricate, but we can cry out for it and we can position ourselves for it. So back in 2020, uh, or tw- sorry, fall 2019 before 2020, like we, it was seven years since our, our renewal. And we're saying like, we're going to cry out and we're going to pray for this again. And like, we can't, I think the line I used was, you know, we can't, we can't make lightning strike but we can recognize when it's going to thunder and when it's going to lightning and we can put up a rod. You know what I mean? Right, we're going to posture right. ourselves for the power to hit us. And that's really what we've been doing. That's our heartbeat, like to be a lightning rod in Atlantic Canada, to set up a space in Halifax, to set up a, a community in PEI. Like we just want to be part of, because something the Lord spoke to me was, I am going to, I think he is going to bring a great awakening again. And I think it's going to happen in Atlantic Canada. I believe it's going to happen all over the place. But well, and and you know, right now is it's, for most people is bad times, and yeah. bad times it, for the world are often good times for the gospel. Not, you know, yeah. you know, what's funny now to laugh at is in in the fall of 2019. Like I I taught on historic revival and said generally, you know, revival follows crisis. Right, <laughs> like, right. I'm hoping we can skip that so part. So this could be a setup, right? Yeah, now. I'm hoping we can skip that part. Right. Turns out, right. uh, no. But hey, <laughs> you know, we're in it. So I do actually think it is a setup. I think, I think right. the Lord has been refining the church through this. Yeah. And, and So when, when the whole COVID thing hit, um, I mean, I, I think for a lot of people, it, they kind of got blindsided. But like I was... About a year ago, I was, you know, kind of in the mountains of Peru. I flew home, and then the next thing I knew, like, the whole world was shut down. Yeah. And it felt very sudden. Uh, and uh, how, did that, uh, how did that affect you initially when, when COVID kind of hit and you had all these – you had this vision and this plan, and then yeah. boom. I, you know what? Like, it, it burned up some assumptions of what I thought it was going to look like, but the Lord really has – you know, like, I mean, I had the, the, the thought of, you know, back in the fall of 2019, like we were crying out for renewal. And we even said that when, you know, revival ultimately is the byproduct of the church repenting, inviting God's refinement and recalibration. And then as he resets you, he brings renewal and then renewal flows 
not just to the church, but through the church. And that hopefully that's when we start getting into revival right, talk, right. but it's that process every time. And like, you know, it's been, it's not been lost on me that, you know, for our church, like I got to share this at our church, like, you know, y'all, we asked for this. Right. right before it even happened, like we asked, we asked, Lord, if it takes a crisis, do it. If it takes this, do it. We want, we want a reset. We want to be refined. We want to go higher. We want to see real revival come. So renew us, refine us, reset us. And we were praying for those things. And you know, every January of every year, we seek the Lord. We do 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I always ask the Lord for a word for us to hang on to. And 2020, the the word was, this is going to be a year of refinement. You know, I said to our church in January, like, this is going to be a year of refinement that's going to, yeah, (laughs) and refinement and revelation (laughs) were the words. It was, man. And like, I look back on it, I'm like, thank you, Lord, for giving us a heads up, even. I mean, I didn't really believe you, or like, I I didn't believe what it really meant. Right. Like, it was much more painful. Well, refinement sounds like such a nice word. That's right. It was much more novel in my mind. (laughs) It felt more real in reality. And like, yeah, I mean that's it's been an incredibly hard twelve months, but man, the God God has refined us. Like He's burned up a lot of stuff. He's revealed a lot of stuff. Yeah, and I, I would say more than more than most churches I'm aware of, you guys seem to be set up for to to kind of pivot into the whole, like you had invested pretty heavily into Mm. doing online church right, you know, even when live church was was happening everywhere. And so it seemed to me that it wasn't as, it wasn't as drastic a learning curve for Kings as maybe some other churches. The the initial wave wasn't, like we we punched the first wave in the face. Like (laughs) we just, we literally had just done a big, uh, you know, call to people invested financially. We'd Spent, we spent thousands of dollars on getting equipped to do online and multi-site and to be in people's homes and that kind of thing. So we were already having those conversations. So the first wave happened and we saw like our, you know, our online numbers just skyrocket. And we're like, whoa, this is amazing. Right. And like, wow, right. God, you went before us. But the thing we we didn't know was after that first wave was like the prolonged winter like just because we were able to run inside to some shelter right. didn't exempt us from having to deal with like the 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 perpetual nature of this season and the eventual like this it 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 exposed people who ultimately are actual disciples and who aren't and people who are just convenient. Right. They, they, Can, I think the statistic is you know at least in the states where a lot of live services have mm-hmm. resumed like a third a third of churchgoers have not come they back. just disappeared yeah, they just yeah. disappeared and, so. and it just exposed like yeah. the real discipleship level and in some ways I don't want to say it's all doom and gloom in some ways I've been just really beautifully empower, encouraged by where some of our believers are at. Like that, you know, pastor, we don't need, we know we can't, we don't, we don't need, we would it'd be nice to meet together and to sing. And, uh, but up until, you know, this point, we're okay. We're doing all right. Thank you for the messages. We're taking it. We got our home church and, you know, right, so there's a lot of, a lot of content online and people meeting in home churches and yeah. smaller groups yeah, and like, uh, to kind of, talk and process it. This really did weed out though, the people who are like, Hey, I'm going to do what it takes to follow Jesus in this right. season. And like, I, I don't have an excuse. Like my job is to follow him in every season. And never, never, like Paul says, never be lacking in spiritual fervor. So never means never. And so we, I've been really, I've been very proud of a huge core of our church. Like our giving, giving didn't, I mean, we are giving still can, we, 
our giving is a one good metric we've been able to have, right? Because we're not right. seeing people, you know. So and well, I, and that's the other thing is figuring what are the metrics. I know. Like, so what, so giving. How do we been, measure what's going on? Giving's been one measure of value anyway, because right. you don't you don't just give haphazardly. It's people's money. So um, we've seen we've seen that continue to grow even this year, which is you know giving's up year over year, which is remarkable. We've seen engagement, like people are watching the totality of the message more than ever and more people than ever. That's a good thing. I do think now 12 months in, like there, we are coming to the point where like, okay, we've, we've milked the digital cow as there's right. no milk. There's no juice left in that udder. Like it is, right. that is right. so crass, but like there's, <laughs> there's no, there's nothing left there. Like, and so like right. we're, right. we are feeling the urgency, even if it does cost us some fines and some, potential public criticism we're feeling the urgency of calling the people of god together like yeah something something led i don't i don't regret how we've done it so far like back when early on when like there's a lot of unknown about the coronavirus we weren't sure there was a real threat people have died it's not it's not fake we aren't anti-maskers and we aren't conspiracy theorists but as this has drug on and we all have more access to the real data we do feel like, yes, it is a risk to gather, but the risk now to not is higher for the church than it is to gather. And so we're actually going to start pushing towards gathering. Yeah, I actually had a chance last Sunday to you know, preach at a live service for the first time in a long time. Mm-hmm. And I was just, oh, this is so refreshing. Right. Like I've so, yep. and you might have experienced that today talking to the students just to get live. A little bit. And, yeah, <laughs> a little bit. And so, yeah. Uh, but but the thought that came to my mind was like this yeah. is essential. Yeah, like it, this it, it is, is essential for people's yeah. well being. It's not totally it's not a peripheral thing at all. It it's was appropriate yeah. for a time. I yeah. think like I don't yeah. I don't regret how we've done it. I think we we sought to yeah like obviously we don't want to put people at unnecessary risk. And so we, we we went online for a season, and that's that was appropriate. We we wanted to be people who, as citizens, were doing our part as long as it doesn't you know, defy God to, to help, right, you know? Right. And so, I, so f- up until this point, I feel okay about how we've done it, but I do think there's a growing sense of as a shepherd, I'm like, okay, I'm not being a good shepherd. If I keep telling the sheep, it's okay to just lay down and hang out here until the government tells us otherwise. And yeah, there, it's, it's, it feels like a, a pause is one thing, but yep, it's, the co- yeah, but, and, uh, it's a, it's been a long pause. Well, and especially when yeah. I, I'm not trying to get you canceled on your first right, right, podcast, right. your mic, but <laughs> especially when the goalpost keeps moving yes, and it's do, like, yeah. okay, we're not just flattening the curve. We're flat. We're just going to, we're going to flatten the virus enti- entirely. Okay. Well, right. All right. We're, we're here we are. And then it's not just, we're going to flatten the virus, but any variant or basically any threat ever is going to cause us to right. like, yeah, okay. Well, yeah. I see that that's a threat. But uh, for us, it's more of a threat. You know, something drove the church in Rome to decide, okay, it's going to potentially cost us our lives, but it is worth it to us to gather. So here's a map of the tombs and the catacombs. Right. And uh, bring, your, bring your kids. We got childcare. Right. <laughs> it's not safe. <laughs> that cave over there it's is not the safe. Yeah, yeah, that's where the kids are going to hang out with uh, Aunt Betty. <laughs> you know, <laughs> dead Betty. Uh, but like, it's like, it's not safe, but it's necessary. And something drove the first church to realize, no, we really do. At a certain point, I'm sure, you know, there were some weeks or a period of time where they did uh, try to gather themselves and collect and figure out a strategy on how we're going to meet together. But they did decide it's necessary for the people of God to come together in person to encourage one another. We cannot do this unless we, we do that. And it might cost us our lives. 
Right. You know, yeah. and then there's all the, you know, there, there's all the fallout besides COVID, like the mental health issues that oh, have been going goodness. on in our society. People just really need help with that. So yeah. I think, I think, it, I, I think it's wise to look at the whole thing holistically for sure. Totally. And, and I think the church needs to be somewhere, uh, somewhere in that, in that mix. Yeah. Uh, so, so you're talking about the refinement part, as far as the revelation was, was there any kind of big thing that has come out of the last year in terms of like where you see this go, like where you see the church going? Yeah, I, I think there's a, a lot of things. We could probably spend a whole other podcast even just talking about some of the takeaways and maybe the refinements and adjustments. But the big, the, talk about revelation first, like it revealed a lot of things. Like it just, it just, re, the crisis revealed, the Lord kind of pulled the veil back on some things that we thought might not be an issue that were an issue or things that like, for instance, I didn't actually realize that I might've had more issues of control in my spirit than I actually did. You know, I, I didn't think I had a control problem until I lost control. Right. You know? And then all of a sudden, Oh wait, I'm really, really nervous right now about, am I going to lay off all these staff, these people, these families that I love? Am I going to like, what about, what about the church? Like how, like all these things that I actually had, you know, my hand on the wheel on, all of a sudden we went into this world of unknown and the Lord said, yeah, you know what? I want to talk to you, Brent, about the fact that you can't sleep at night because now you think you lost control. Well, one, you never had it, but two, that's a problem. That's an idol, right? And it's that, that, that was revealed to me in my own, my own journey has been a, a laying down of that. It's also been a lay, it's, it's revealed how superficial a lot of Christianity, Western Christianity is like, like I'm not going to throw or name drop or anything, but it's, it's been interesting to me to see some of the, the large platform preachers still trying to hold up the hype machine, preaching just like they would to 40,000 people in the room. Like, it's like yeah, dude, it you, just, it just you can't shift gears into yeah. a, in, in, to be able to adapt to this. You're so tied to that platform. It's just showed a level of superficiality. It's exposed consumerism in the church. Uh, some of those things. So it's really made me, you know, I think it's made me as a pastor and a shepherd and a preacher um, really push away the, maybe the, the, any desire in me to build a platform or to just gather a crowd. I just see it as so cheap. Right. And right. like, and I just like, there's, but this crisis has made me really say, okay, before God, my job is to make people more like Jesus and to love Jesus more. And like, that's really the measure. That's what I'm after. And if a platform helps to those ends, fine. But if it doesn't, I can let it go. And it's so like, it's burned off a lot of things that like are just implied. Like if we were having this conversation two years ago, like, you know, the classic kind of church model is you, you know, you build your platform, get on Instagram and, right. you know, write a book and go speak. And like, those things are going to help make good Christians. Not necessarily. <laughs> and those things were lots of fun. Sure. But, uh, and but not the core. And they're yeah, not yeah. completely, they're not right. wrong or right. invaluable even. It's just, you know, they're not the main thing. Right. And it's like, I think there's just been a reordering and a realignment. Like one of the, one of the things God's been speaking to me a lot about is like, you know, I'm a lot more okay now. Now that we lost the crowd, I'm a lot more. I'm a lot more okay with losing the crowd. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, because like, yeah, you realize I can survive this. Yeah, totally. I survive the the crowd is gone, it's, and I'm okay. Yeah, and it's like you know, I, I had this conversation yesterday because we we're preparing to to go back into 
like full stop. We're just going to try to start doing services again the best we can. Um, and I said, guys, there's some value changes or some shifts that have taken place that you just need to, I need to put language on and you need to know going forward. You know, in the past I said, you know, we put a lot into, um, you know, being not, we weren't a seeker sensitive church by any means. However, we did, we were very seeker aware. Right. And we, we made efforts to, I said it like this to our team. It's, it's almost like, uh, you know, when we did Sunday services, it was getting ready to have company. We're going to have guests here today. Right. And so we need to be aware of that. We need to use language that's guest friendly. It's helping the non-believer. And I preach that way to try to bridge the gap between sermons for the church and sermons for the non-believer. And we were that church that said, Hey, bring your, unbel- bring your non-saved friends and Pastor Brent will lead them to Jesus and all that kind of stuff, right? Like right. that was kind of the a bit of the ethos. I said, guys, the shift has been now where I wouldn't say my mentality as I'm going into services anymore is like, hey, this is an open house and we're realtors and we're trying to sell Jesus here. Right. It's more, this is family dinner. Get the apple pie in the oven yeah. and make sure it smells Yeah, good, right. You know? No, this is like family dinner right. and uh, everyone's welcome, but hey- Welcome to supper with the Inger Souls. This is what it's like. Right. You know what I mean? This is how we eat. You know, and I, I, was, I was actually using the analogy of my family, which your, your esteemed producer here, Scott's part of. Like <laughs> we do, we do like, uh, we, we have a big family. And so we, we rent out like a, 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 we rent out a dining hall at Beulah Camp to have Thanksgiving dinner. And like we, we have our immediate families and then our extended families are invited. And then we have some friends show up and it's like, Hey, this is like everyone's welcome. Somebody who needs a family. Yeah, but yeah. it's not like we we set the table and, and you you have a, a a place setting and it's like, hey, right. this is just for you. Like everyone feels welcome. Everyone's invited to the buffet. Uh, you figure it out as you go. Okay, these people just slap it down and they're not serving. They're serving themselves. They don't carve the turkey. They rip it, and that's you know. And it's like for us, like that's a shift though. It's like we're not really tailoring the Sunday gathering any longer as the tip of the spear of evangelism. And that really, I'm now viewing Sunday as a time that the family of God comes together to feast and to be filled up and edified, to be sent out to have something to give. And that I think evangelism needs to take place outside of the church more. Right. And Which is a very, very New Testament. Well, wow, it model. sounds like yeah. that's in the Bible. <laughs> you would have, We eventually always cra- come around Mike, and Jesus Mike, had the best idea. I've got this crazy new idea. <laughs> God meant for, pe- <laughs> for people to lead people to Jesus. <laughs> that's why the church in China is growing. No. Yes. But, but really, I mean, we laugh at it, but right. it, it, is, it does represent a, sl- a subtle tweak in our approach. And the same with like community. We, we've said, okay... Sunday gathering, it's, I've made this joke um, back in the summer when we, went, we took our church through something we called the 246 Reformation. And we're like, hey, let's go back to some of the values we find in the New Testament and build on that. And so we said basically that, you know, we've tried to make Sunday service your one-stop shop to Christianity where it's like, it's like Costco. Right. You know, you show up and, hey, grab a hot dog. Um, we got kids care over here. If you need batteries, if you need coffee or flowers or, or like, uh, what's this like a pergola to put outside on your deck, we got it all. You want meat? We got meat. Like we just, we, we, that was our approach to church the Sunday. You're going to get it all in Sunday and that's going to be that. And like for, for me, the shift now is no, 
We need to design ways to live the Christian life and recognize worship and the value of temple worship and what that's supposed to be and how it's supposed to be the people of God coming together to minister to God and that God ministers to them, and that they go out. But that's not sufficient for Christian community even. Like, be, especially you find that of being a large church, these are problems we've felt for a while. It's like, man, it's really easy to be, you know, to go to King's Church but not be part of the church. Yeah, you just come and go. Like, yeah. like you, Mike. Right, right. Yeah, like I'm the, I'm the <laughs> like, poster boy. Well, for your that, community's huh? here, right? <laughs> right? Like your community's right. here, and that's 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 a case in point. Like it's we've got to do better than just hey, it's it's okay for you to come and nod your head at a service and enjoy the music and feel the tinglys and leave. Like that's not Christianity. Right. You, you sat in a service. Right. You know, and it's like we, we, we're just we're getting a little more fine tuned in tuned in our our approach to discipleship and the tools and resources God has given us and arranging them in such a way and being a, a little less apologetic that, hey, yeah, it's gonna cost you something. Yeah, you're gonna be uncomfortable. Yeah, you're right. gonna do the hard work of community. Yeah, you've gotta basically make time for Jesus in your life. And yeah, there's probably gonna be a day a week you gotta like fight to get to church. And there's value in that. So I think it's really it's burned up a lot of clutter and it's really it's really presented some of the things that like that's the gift of crisis, right? Like some of the the it's like where Paul says, you know, when when your life is exposed to the fire, you know, the one who built on chaff and straw, you know, his workmanship will be revealed. And it's like this whole season, more than any other season in my life in leadership, has revealed the quality of our workmanship. And it's really presented the things that do matter and that are beautiful and that are eternal and transcendent. And it's put some things that might have kind of come up into that arena that I thought were that aren't. Right. And it's like, you know, you take it or leave it. You know, yeah. so that's that's been the biggest, the biggest. Yeah, thing. and I think I think it was Bill Johnson that said just recently, like it's it's the new metric is not, it's not big crowds, it's big disciples. Yes, like I want to build. Totally. I want to build big disciples. Yep. Uh, the I, I the way I said it, and I'm not as maybe as eloquent as Bill Johnson, but in our in our um, my 2021 address to the church, I said. I think God wants us, at least in this season, if not always, is like to not be worried about getting more Christians, but to be getting more Christian, right? Like right. That, that we would become more like Jesus. That needs to be our primary pursuit. And our job as a church is to help people become like Jesus. And that as we are like Jesus, people are going to meet Jesus and there will be more Christians. You right. know what I mean? Instead yeah. of like seeing ourselves. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a subtle shift. It's but a really subtle shift. Yeah. It is. It's subtle and significant. Yeah. That's what we've been feeling. Like this feels small and huge both. You right, know? right. Like, yeah. And I don't feel like we were way off, but we were way off. Right, right. You know, like yeah. it's, it's... Yeah, well, you know, you can be a little off and then the longer that plays out. Well, it, gets, yeah, uh, gets, a little bit in, yeah. in light of eternity <laughs> right, is a right. lot. <laughs> right. You know, so, right. yeah, that's that, it's been a suit, Mike. It's been, I think we'll look back on some of the things that got burned up in this season and some of the things that we planted and, and reestablished and be like, man, that was really formative you know, I, I am going to, I, I'm convinced of that. Like when we're already, well, it is funny. Language. Some, some, just even personally, as you look back, it's not never fun to be in the middle of it, but as you look back, your greatest spiritual growth usually happens during the toughest seasons for sure. Again, back yeah. full circle on yeah. our prayer for renewals. Like yeah. I got, I'd love to skip the crisis part, right? You know, right. I'd love to be the one exception to like <laughs> Spurgeon that said like, whoever wants to be used greatly must be wounded deeply. Like, right. can we skip the wound part? Just use me, you know, right. like right. 
generally hasn't been the case. And, but it's like crisis is a gift for a believer. And I've, I've found a level of stability in my relationship with God and the chaos of all this that I didn't have before, you know, like I would have said that my life was more stable. And because of that thought that my relationship with God was, you know, a certain amount of stable. But once my life got destabilized, I realized, wow, I'm not quite as locked into the peace that passes understanding right, as, as I, I thought, thought I was, was. Yeah. Yeah. you know? And so it, it, I have walked a lot of kilometers this year, just walking my dog and talking and listening to the Lord. And that's been, that's been a huge, I'm different, man. Like, I don't know. I don't, I I can't put all good language on all the ways, but I am more settled. I'm, I'm maybe, uh, I would say I've matured a little bit over the last year in some ways and, uh, more grounded, I think, and less, reactive. Um, you know, Dan, our mutual friend, Dan Lamus, he's like, he said the other day, he's like, I've seen you. <laughs> One of the most spiritual guys mm-hmm. I know. For totally. Sure. He's like, I've seen you just not say anything a lot more than you used to. <laughs> Which is the discipline, right? Oh, yeah, big yeah, time. It's yeah. like, I think the Lord just, or 2020 just destroyed the desire. I just don't care. I'm like, I don't care if you think I'm right or not, you know, like, but it's like, once the platform and the pretension gets burned up, then who really cares? Like, it's like, I don't have a persona to uphold. None of you even see me every week anyway. It's like, you know, I don't care if you think I'm right or wrong. You know, you can't tell me I'm not going to look you in the eye. Right. Right. Like there's just so much, uh, so much of the dynamic that it's just caused me to do inventory and it's allowed the Lord to do some, some deep work that couldn't have happened any other way, right? You just don't know until you know until you've it's been revealed, like, right. like what's really going on in there. I remember talking to, uh, I've been privileged to be in a few different like networks with other leaders and pastors, and I'm in one where there's a few guys that you you know household names and fam- right. famous guys, right? And like, I remember one of them saying, you know, I don't know actually if I got more humble or just more successful. How would you ever know? It's like, I don't feel like my ego is an issue, but then again, everything I, my ego wants, it gets, you yeah. know, like, how do you know, so how do tested. you, am I more humble or am I just more successful? And it's like, until the platform goes away, you don't really know. Am I humble? Do I need that or not? And it's like, there's been some of those things where it's like, ah, oh, this has revealed some areas where maybe I wasn't as grounded as I thought. Maybe I was a little more twisted in my idea of how the church works best. All those things. It's been such a good I'm grateful for 2020 legitimately already. Yeah. And I think there was, there be. was a moment for me in the middle of the summer where the Lord just kind of said to me, you're all praying for things to get, go back to normal and get, get mm. better. And, and he basically said, if things never get better, are you still going to serve me? Totally. And, and I had oh, to wrestle with that and say, Amen. and say, yes. Right. And so in January, I I think I, you know, you know it's emotional when you're fighting tears preaching to a camera guy. It's just me and Scott in the room, and, <laughs> and I'm still fighting tears. And I started, I started right, to say, right. I basically took people on a bit of my journey on the on the last year, and just said, God brought me to a point where it's like, man, I'm not who I thought I was, and I'm not as you know, the I'm not as substantial. I'm maybe not as well developed and as grounded and as mature as I thought I was. Um. But I'm still here, and I'm still in it. And Lord, there's less of me than I thought there was. But you can have what's there, right? You know what I mean. Yeah, and it's like awesome. I'm in, like yeah. I'm in, like and 
There's such a freedom in that prayer of like having a new level of self-awareness. And again, I'm sure I'm less even than I think I am, right? Like it's like there's things about the Lord that he's like, I'm going to deal with that later, but let's just work on this. But it's like, okay, Lord, you've, you've pulled back the curtains on some things in my life that weren't what I thought they were. And this is the real me. The pretension's gone. Um, and here I am. And it's like, man, it's such a refreshing to, to feel the, the, almost in my spirit, the Lord say, good, that's right. That's actually right where I wanted you. You know, like I, cause I can't, I, I can't transform who you pretend to be, right, right? you know, and I can't heal what you won't admit's broken, you know? And it's like, okay, good. In as much as you know, this is the real you <laughs> right. and let's deal with it. You know, and it's like, that's such a freeing space. And I, th- I think the Lord's doing that to all of us in different ways. And I think he's doing it to the church. Right. Yeah, like for that, sure. that conversation with the church is like, this is the real you and I love it. I love you and let's go, you know? And so it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing that God's done over the last year. And I think we're just now maybe coming into a season where we're going to start to see the vitality come through the, the weeds he's uprooted and the seeds he's planted and the water he's, he's watered it with. I think we're gonna start seeing some new vitality. I've said this, trying to keep our, our team at, King's church encouraged like guys just hang in there. We will feel momentum again, right? You will feel the glory of being in the presence of God in a room full of people and the energy of a room. I said to one guy yesterday, I was like, remember what the X Y conference felt like? Do you remember that? Like being like 700 dudes in a room dialed in and like just, just electric, you know, it's like, we're going to feel that again someday. Like don't, don't lose heart. Like it's, there's going to be, there's going to be new vitality to experience. And I think to your point too, of like, the hunger that's in people now, you know, now that the, maybe the consumer Christians went and they're, they're eating at some other buffet. Now the people who know I need living water, I need the bread of life and I need it in Jesus and I need it in that community, man, as, as the COVID crisis does get behind us, I think there's going to be an ignition in the church. That's going to be, it's going to be substantial. Like there's going to be a real fire burn. Like just even what you're saying, like preaching to real people, like, oh my goodness, I needed this. (laughs) Like imagine like when, you know, mom and dad who have been just fighting the good fight, trying to keep their kids sane and trying to keep their heads above water for the last year. They know they need, you know, the body of Christ. They need to get to church. They need to experience the presence of God. Like imagine how they're going to feel. And like when you see dozens and hundreds of these families just getting, finally just getting some ministry to them in that way, I think it's going to be my, uh, my, my, uh, one of my board members said last week at our board meeting, he said, yeah, it's like, everybody's like ultra dry kindling. And right, you know, right, right. once, once it all comes together, it's just going to take a spark and this thing's going to be an inferno. You know, I don't think, I don't think the inferno is going to happen overnight. It's going to be a, a period of time where, you know, there's a drawing back and people are finally getting over the, the fear of COVID and all that. But you're, I think we're going to wake up and it's going to be like, man, things are cooking right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm expecting that. I really am. I yeah. don't know this year or next. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, that seems like a, that seems like a good place to end. Yeah. And, uh, this has been fun. Man. Well, maybe we'll do it again sometime, but uh, I want to thank you for, thank you for yeah. coming and sharing so honestly with us. And, uh, it's been hey, fun. thank everybody for watching our, our first episode. Yeah, don't forget to subscribe. You got to yeah. say that. That's not, it's yeah, not oh, a real yeah. podcast. Oh, yeah. well, I'm just, I mean, I'm on a don't forget to here, subscribe. So. Click, click the like <laughs> button. Leave us, a, leave us a review. All those things. So, yeah. Thank you yeah. so much. Absolutely. All it's right. been fun. 
Hey everyone, hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. If you can do me a favor, why don't you go and subscribe to Mike's podcast, Open Mike with Mike McNeil. It's going to be a great podcast as he gets it up and running. I think you'll enjoy it. And hey, if you haven't already, I'd love it if you subscribe to my podcast as well. Give us a review, give us a rating, share it with somebody, help us get the word out. We'll see you next time.